All right, so everybody should have an outline that should say, don't be afraid, just believe. And um, I just want to talk on this subject today because I think it's uh, so incredibly important for the time we live in. I don't know that I've ever experienced a time in in, uh, all the years we've been here and all my ministry really where I've had to believe God for more things. And uh, every time we turn around, and also I would say battle fear, spirit of fear. It's so heavy, you know, uh, sometimes. And it's being projected on us from every side, you know. And, uh, and so we've had to be uh, more courageous, exert more faith than ever before as a church body. And, and just everything that we do, you know, I, I, even during the pandemic, you know, all these different changes and rearrangements. And, you know, for a while we're outside and then, you know, we're, you know, then, then we weren't even outside, you know, and then we're back outside, then we're inside for a while and we're back, you know, I mean... We actually had to cancel the last uh, women's event, the one, the the great Christmas dinner we just did. By the way, that was awesome. That was amazing. That was that was the best one we've ever done. It was Friday night was just awesome. So uh, well attended and everything. But we had to cancel the last one, and it was such an agonizing decision uh, to do that because of where the COVID was and all of that, and, and we were still kind of outside and. And we haven't spent a lot of time outside. We've been mostly inside and, and, and fighting a good fight. And I say fighting a good fight because exerting faith uh, in this time has been really the difference between, I think, those that have been able to do well in their own personal lives as well as in the corporate lives and those that have not. And there are still whole churches that are pretty frozen and pretty like need to be thawed out. What really needs to thaw out is not the conditions on the outside, it's the conditions on the inside. Because I'm convinced after going through this stage that there's a reward when we believe. And you know what? Here's belief. It's spelled R-I-S-K. And, uh, and so uh, mitigating risk and trying to figure out, okay, do I step into this now or not? You know, all these decisions. I never had so many risky, crazy decisions to make in my whole life. I mean, it's like very uncomfortable for a while, but I'm kind of getting the hang of it now, you know. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting the flow of it, you know. You, you, sort of like we've been lifting weights a little bit, so our faith's growing stronger, right? And so, you know, the latest thing down, you know, the latest thing from Fox News or some proclamation or some prophetic whatever, you know. You know, I don't get too shaken up about anything. I just go, okay, well, let's see what's going on. You know, let's pray about that. Uh, you know, I don't really let it affect me deeply. And, uh, uh, at first, it was sort of hard to ignore, but... Now I'm just really realizing if faith answers the door, you know, when the world is knocking, you can actually make sense of it. You really can. If faith does not answer the door, you're up and down, up and down, this, that, 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 believe in this person, believe in that person, right? So faith, genuine faith, built in your heart about the situation you're in and the situation we're all in, when that's in there, you can cope with anything. You really can. It's, it's, it's like a language. You, you learn the language of faith and then you calm down because you can speak the language. You know how frustrating it is when you can't speak to someone, they're speaking a foreign language, right? And you're making all these signs. Some of us have been like that with God, you know? We can't, but once faith comes in, as you begin to get the rhythm of it and you begin to know that you can risk and God helps you, you can risk and God helps you and there's an obstacle, but it's not horrible obstacle. It used to be a horrible obstacle, but now it's just a small thing because you've been through 50 things like that before, right? So that's where I think God wants to take all of us. So uh, this message is about that. So I want to start reading from Luke chapter 8. And uh, I'm going to start with uh, verse uh, 22. And I'm just going to read some verses here, okay? One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. 
So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. Disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. And then he says, Where is your faith? Wow. What a question. He was always challenging him in this direction. So if you look on your outline, don't be afraid. Just believe when you find yourself in a sudden storm. And here's a little thing for these days, just a little hint. There's going to be some more storms. So don't just like crawl up on the beach of your faith, you know, you know, and then not expect another wave because there will be some more waves. You know, you'll be waves your whole life. But I mean, in this season, there's going to be some more. So we just got to address it the same way we've been addressing it with faith, right? And so he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. I've been doing a lot of rebuking. But not just rebuking in Jesus' name, but also settling myself inside and doing things that act like faith, that look like faith, that take faith, right? And sometimes it's a hard thing because you're wondering, well, am I being too presumptuous? Am I going too far? You know, in light of the current climate, listen, with your faith, go, go farther than you think you can go, because this climate that we're in right now is unlike anything we've ever seen. It's going to take greater faith. So here's what's happening to the church. Here's what's happening to the church worldwide, including our church. It's amazing. And so the enemy just so helped us so much. He gave us a set of barbells. He put our running suit on us, and now we're getting in shape. We're getting stronger, and we're running farther and farther and farther. And we're getting more creative. We're actually getting better, not worse. You put that resistance on us. First of all, we just sort of feel, wow, this is exhausting. Like you first got on your first workout, you know. But now I've been working out a little bit, you know. In the supernatural, I've been working out a lot. And it's not so hard now. I'm feeling more able to swim in these waters. Nothing's intimidating me like it did in the beginning. No, there's a lot of new things. I can remember even like, you know, wiping carefully off every mic, that, you know, <laughs> doing all this stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, I mean, I was just like, well, everybody else is doing it, you know, I don't know, you know, and just all kinds of things, which I guess were good in the beginning, but, you know, and, and maybe we'll wipe some mics off again. I don't know, but that's not the point. The point is that we're growing. So, Darkness gave us a great gift. We're working out. We're getting buff, man. <laughs> we are. <clears throat> We're learning to swim. So Jesus gets up and he rebukes this thing. And he's always looking for faith. He, he says to them, uh, where is your faith? I mean, can you imagine? He just shut down the weather system and says, what's the matter with you guys? Whoa! That's a different kind of discipling. Well, that was just for those guys. They needed it, you know, early church and all that stuff. No, it's you too. You have to learn to say, shut up in Jesus' name. <laughs> You've got to slip that one in there. <laughs> you might be getting into some power cult or something. But anyway, because he's the only one that makes it go, the world go round, right? Jesus is always looking for faith. And fear is the thief trying to steal it, isn't it? Look at Hebrews 11, chapter 6. I'm just going to go through a, a bunch of uh, scriptures. I, I know I'm on the right track with this because you know, my wife will tell you, I don't see her here, maybe she's sleeping. Because <laughs> most of the night we were fighting. I mean, not night between us, but I mean we were warring because, uh, just over this message. 
The devil does not like this message at all. It's horrible, you know. And I like sometimes, most of the time, in my sermons I just kind of coast along. But sometimes I like, man, there's everything I could do just to get this done, right? So here's why: and without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him, this is Hebrews 11:6, must believe that He exists. And here's the great part: and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It's a two-part deal. First of all, you got to believe He actually exists. But the next thing is that he actually rewards those who earnestly seek him. I don't know about you, but I just see that like a big blank check. You know, <laughs> I'm telling you, I just got to seek God earnestly in prayer, and he rewards me, and he, he knows exactly what I need. Romans uh, 8, uh, 15, just a couple other passages. I'm just going to be flipping through passages. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. So this fear gets dispelled by this experience with the Holy Spirit called the love of God. And so we found that we can actually teach on this. Hey, you made it. So we can uh, <laughs> teach on this. She had the microphone the other night. She did great, didn't she? Because i got to be careful of this, because if she gets it too often, she's going to start teasing me from the pulpit. I don't know if I want to do that, right? But uh, so it was a great night. We had a great night. I mean, we, this place was packed. It was so much fun. Janice, you got a great job. Your whole team, the worship, everything was just so much fun. It was so much fun. So by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Oh, nice poem, Mike. Abba, Father. Yes, Daddy, Daddy. Oh, if you experience this passage, and don't just read it, which is like all scripture, but when you experience it, right, when you experience faith, when you experience prayer, answered prayer, when you experience Abba, Daddy, for real in your spirit, boy, it's amazing what kind of faith begins to percolate on the inside of you, right? Because many of us didn't have trustworthy parents, but we have a trustworthy father. So sometimes that keeps us a little slow, right? But we have trans... Can you imagine if, just imagine a trustworthy father that you had, what that looks like, and then your heavenly father is like that. We have a bunch of great dads in this place, and they go to extraordinary lengths for their family as well as moms, right? But this Abba Father is an experience internally that secures us, roots us, and it causes great faith to emerge inside of us. It's one thing to believe. You know, sometimes people kind of make a cult out of faith, but when the father's there, when you're feeling the love of the father, you don't do that. You have this tendency to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. You know him personally. And there's an experience in the Holy Spirit where we should expect to know him that way and to feel him that way. So that when we pray, we feel there's a reality to it. And it works double. We, we, we know that our Abba is after this. Now, if you had a hard dad or a difficult dad, sometimes that gets in the way, but not too much because the Spirit is so strong and so much on this. All we have to do is believe these scriptures. And uh, even Second Timothy uh, 1.7, basically, could you just put that up for me so I can read it from the screen and move a little faster? For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. So that's what you got in the tank. Not timidity, but gives us power, love, and even a sense of self-discipline, or that word's a little hard to translate, but self-control, or it's, it actually has to do with your mind and how your mind's set, right? Just kind of along the lines we were just talking about. So we can rest our faith on God's 
concern for us. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I want to read these amazing verses. That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also others, other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, I don't even like that word, you woke right there. <laughs> That's a good place for it to be. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Sorry, just got a little political there. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> he got up, rebuked the wind. <laughs> this is how sensitized I am to my environment right now, aren't you? I mean, like, golly. I've never been this like, you know. And hopefully the spirit's behind me also helping me negotiate all that, right? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. <laughs> then the wind died, and it was completely calm. Now, that was incredible. But then the next line is even more incredible. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's like they were supposed to do that. They didn't quite catch you. They said, who's this that even the wind and the waves obey him? But he's thinking even deeper, right? Don't you have any faith? You guys can do this. Can't you do this? Like Peter. Hey, Peter, come and walk on the water. It's okay. Come on. And Peter took him up and got on the boat and he walked. All these things are for us. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Don't be afraid. Just believe. God wants us to speak out and stand firm in this hour in a way maybe that we've never done. And actually, that's what I'm saying even when I was just talking about this. I, I'm not kidding. This is the best hour for the church for in a long time. It's forced us to use our muscles. we got muscles we didn't even know we had. And faith that we didn't know we had because we've been forced into it. Oh, man. I'm telling you, the result's got to be glorious. You know, it's got to be good. I can already feel it already, right? And the church is gradually waking up, but we're, I think, I think we're 90% there. We're pretty awake right now. I can feel it. I mean, and I see your faces, and I see you one by one coming every week, new ones and old ones and people, and I, but I can feel more than that. Not that it's just you're here, but there's something about you that's different. There's something changed in the atmosphere. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Wow. Put that in perspective. The devil's schemes. Is the devil, he kind of rules a few things. You notice that? So, like, we're afraid of governments and this and that, but look, we get to take our stand against the one that's in charge of every evil thing. We take our stand against him, against everything that's behind all the things that aren't doing so well. For our struggle isn't even against flesh and blood. And we have to remember that in this hour. This is really important. Because if you get that wrong and you tune on the wrong channel, you're going to get messed up. Matter of fact, it might even give you a little compassion for your most unfavorite rulers. And I've got a whole laundry list of them myself. But I realize, my goodness, they're just acting like sinners. They're blind, deaf, stupid. But what do you expect? They don't know the Lord. That's the way you were and the way I was before I knew. I just didn't know the Lord. I didn't have that marvelous courage and light and wisdom going through me. What else am I going to do? Especially in this environment that we're in, right? So our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So what that should motivate us to do is pray for those same rulers. 
No, I'm serious about that. This is where you really need to go. And then, of course, there's the other things that we need to make and stand up for rights and vote right and all the other things. That's important. It's not marginalized by saying this. Pray for these people you don't like. Pray for them. Pray for your enemies. Jesus said that. Mike Hudgens didn't say that. He said it. And if you do that with a clean heart, without bitterness, by the way, that's not something you can pick up. Unforgiveness and bitter is not part of our package. Be clear enough to pray for them. Because when you do, it rearranges the heavens. Because our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but we're against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where our real battle is as we pray. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, and the day of evil is here, a day of evil. By the way, I just so appreciate, and I just make a comment on this, Orange County, don't you? I am so grateful, I mean, for where we are, where we could be compared to our other counties around us and compared to this crazy world. I mean, I pray for our county supervisor. I pray for our city council. We got a, by the way, we have an incredible city council in Laguna Niga. I'm so happy uh, with, uh, you know, and I've met several of them, and wow, Orange County, we're, we're so fortunate where we're at right now. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil, it doesn't say if the day of evil comes, right? You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, then what do you do? You stand again, right? And that's where we're at. But you know, you know I just reminded, uh, I remember I heard a sermon one time, not being a very agrarian person, so I have to take this on faith that this is really true, and if it's not right, then correct me afterward, okay? Because I don't know a lot about cows and like crops and stuff, but from what I understand... The way a baby calf gets up and stands on their feet is they get born, but their mother intentionally knocks them down and makes them stand up, knocks them down and makes them stand up. And in the process of being knocked down, standing up, they get stronger. Now, if that's not true, don't tell me now. I'll apologize later. <laughs> but I heard it from an evangelist, and he's a pretty good evangelist. And he told it like to millions and billions of people. So, okay. Remember that sermon, Janice? Or Roberts. All right semi-strong guy, right? <laughs> Stand firm then with the belt of truth tucked around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place. And so all this amazing armor and things. But I, I like that. It says, when the day of evil comes. When, not if. Some of us are sort of surprised that there is a when there. But man's born for trouble even. Sparks fly upward, the scripture says. And while there is a we're in this time of ecclesiastical uh, and spiritual history. This is always going to be the case. It just seems to be more prominent someday, right? All right. So let's look at uh, Roman numeral two. Don't be afraid. Just believe when the supernatural power of God scares and confuses you. What? Yes, what? I'll tell you what. I have been very, very confused sometimes about the links God will go to show me his power and what it actually looks like when you do it, right? When you experience it, it's amazing. And I think in the texture of working in supernatural things, one thing that always uh, I haven't quite got over yet is the part that I play that doesn't seem to have a spiritual entity or a part to it. It just seems like, ah, you know, I just feel I'm exposed. I feel like I don't have a spiritual bone in my body, right? Yet at the same time, uh, 
power comes in that weakness. So what I'm trying to say is that the, if we want to walk in the power of Jesus, which I think most of us at least theoretically want to do, I found that it makes me a lot more weak and vulnerable than I want to be. You know? I, I sort of think of it as like, you know, our favorite person maybe on the stage or healing or whatever we think, man, these guys lift weights and, you know, blah, they're so strong and everything. You know what I found out? The best of them are working on weakness. They're working in... And sometimes when they give a word, they're hoping that it's the right thing or they're just stepping out there, kept stepping out there. And as far as I can tell, as far as I've come, I don't ever stop stepping out. I just keep having to step out. I thought there may be a place where I just stop, you know, and I'm in that place. But no, I just have to keep on going. New challenges comes, new ways, and I suppose that's just the way it works, right? And one of the most confusing things is the way God himself works. Just when you think you know everything, got him totally figured out, he completely does a opposite deal on you. And you're left with, what happened? And then you have to take that and, you know, assimilate it. So, verse 32, a large herd of pigs was sleeping there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. That's what I'm trying to be, dressed and in my right mind these days. <laughs> Some days are easier than others. Verse 36. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured, that all the people, here's the strangest thing. Now listen to this. All the pe- you would think they'd be, I'd be clapping, wonderful. That all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. What a horrible thing. Think about what he had to offer them. If he can make them go down the hill, he can make them come out of the water and resurrect them. He can do anything. They just didn't grasp the full gravity. They thought this is a sorcerer. They ran into supernatural power. And still in the church today in the United States, sometimes the manifest powerful supernatural power scares the church so much, they develop a doctrine against it. They tell it to go away. Oh, yeah, they would never do it in so many words, but they do. Just by the way they receive. We don't want to go there. And who knows where we'll be challenged at this point as God begins to move stronger and stronger on the earth. So what we need to do is acclimate and learn to appreciate supernatural phenomena, even if they were rebuking and binding the dark side. And we see things we've never seen before, in church maybe, even a meeting like this, right? We so love control that when the Spirit comes and causes things to be a little out of control, we're having a hard time with that. And so what happens, you grieve the Spirit, and He lifts. So I want to be full throttle, I say that with, because I, actually, I'm speaking this from an informed place. I know what this means, all right? Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, mostly. Because I'm sure, because God always surprises me with something else that challenges me. I go, whoa, I haven't seen that before. Wow. More like that. So, but we try to do as an approach, if you're newer to us, we try to keep it kind of open here, just to kind of watch what's going on, the phenomena and everything, and just, you know, and we've been pretty at low tide with regard to strange phenomena, but I would imagine some of that will begin to show up again, and we'll see other things we haven't seen, and then every time I just got to go, okay, whew, haven't seen that before, okay, and just sort of <laughs> evaluate the fruit of it and kind of let that go. We have a way of doing this so that we don't do this right here. 
Jesus Christ showed up, the Son of the living God, in their backyard, ready to heal and deliver, and they got rid of him because he was too powerful. You thought his power was coming from the wrong side. What, what is that? When power comes, people already, the church, many parts of the church still assume that it's coming from the wrong side, right? And I suppose some of it could, but because it's a little scary, it's just not your same old thing, right? They probably thought that Jesus was some kind of prince of demons or, or, or some powerful figure like that. And if you look at Luke chapter 11, verses uh, 14 and 15, we see, again, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. Verse, uh, let's see, wait a minute. 11, I'm right here. Okay. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul... The prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. So here's amazing grace, dead ahead, doing the works that nobody else has done, and they call it the devil. It's scriptural. So we don't ever want to do that, right? Right, everybody? So sometimes we err a little bit just to make sure we don't go into that territory because I do not ever want to grieve the Holy Spirit because I don't understand something. Right? And there's plen plenty of things that have come down the tube that have been completely I uh, didn't understand. A lot of things like that. And I, I'm, I'm just so happy that in many of those times, not all, but many of those times, I just go, okay, I don't understand what's happening right now, but okay, we'll just go with this. And I'm glad I didn't shut it down. I'm glad I didn't pull the thing back. I'm glad I just kept going to explore and just see, okay, is this a new lesson I'm learning, or is this something I need to be. Be careful of because obviously it's supernatural power, right? Well, come on, guys. Here's the thing. We didn't ask for a snake. Did we? We're not asking for snakes and bad things. We're asking for good things. So why would not God give us good things? And we have a little bad thing mix it, try to get in. So we can figure that out. But the basic orientation has been that we're oriented toward the good thing for the supernatural power of God. We want that. And if we get a, a few things there that maybe aren't quite right, we can adjust that easily enough, right? Amen. It's just that it's worth it to have that kind of uh, a posture so we can begin to learn what it's like to move with God because God is not always simple. God sometimes is scary. You've got to let Him be that way out of respect and honor, right? Or... You'll never see him do anything supernatural, right? If there's good fruit, keep your heart open and ask God to give you wisdom and confirmation. That's a good stance to take, right? Jesus knew their thoughts and said to him, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, am I pronouncing that wrong? Anyway, so then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. All right. So wonder if we see that happen in our church. What's it going to be like? Well, when it happens, it's a little bit chaotic. And it's a little bit scary. Unless you're sort of used to that atmosphere a little bit. It's a little crazy. So that's why our church is a little crazy. We have to be that way because interfacing with spirit is different. It's from another place, right? It's not earthy. 
So I'm trying to be supernatural in my worldview, but I have to learn how to cope and learn, learn how to find my way amongst the angels and the demons and whatever else is going on there, right? And it takes a little bit of openness, and it takes the church to have that openness because we don't want to be afraid. We just want to believe. And you know what? If we're patient, we eventually figure it out. If there's something wrong that's going on, we figure it out. But we just give a little extra time so we can kind of, okay, because sometimes we thought we had to figure it out, but we didn't know anything, right? That happened to me, right? As soon as I stuck my foot in Janet Pjork's ear, I knew it was all over for a while. (laughs) That happened in a meeting where I told God, I'm leaving now. I do not want to be a part of any of this. I'm going home. I'm tired. (laughs) Toronto, Canada. Eddie and Janet happened to be there. So I'm sitting there. And so now came the ministry time, and I knew there'd be some people that go up in the front. And I told God in advance, I'm not going. I'm going to leave as soon as I do it. And he said, no, you're not. You're going to go up to the front immediately when they give the altar call. And I said, no, I am not. I literally, I don't know, I've never had a conversation. I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to leave. I, 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 I just, you know, I'm tired. I've been, you know, I don't know why I'm here, da, 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 and I'm going to leave. Now, I've done that several times. But then when the time for the altar came, right, I got up. And found myself walking down the aisle, and I'm thinking, as I'm walking, I'm going, what am I doing? What am I doing? I can't believe I'm doing this. What am I doing? What am I doing? And before I knew it, I was on the floor. Janet was there. Eddie was there. We're all laid out, and my foot was in her ear. That's what I was talking about. We were, I mean, it was not like, hey, you fall down. Okay. <sighs> Catch him. They didn't have catchers then. Just went, and And that's what we did. So that's what happened, right? And... I never regretted that for a minute. And I had a few other things happen during that time which inaugurated me to the chaos of the kingdom. So anyway, we have to navigate these things, right? Roman number three, don't be afraid, just believe when you feel completely unworthy to approach God. Oh, he likes the unworthy ones. They feel unworthy, but they keep going anyway. They keep coming to God. Oh, I've been out of church too long. Oh, I've done this. I've done that. Oh, my goodness. Church was made for people like you. It wasn't made for perfect people. If you have too many perfect people, it gets stale and religious and la. God's into diversity. People that have messed up. People that haven't been here in a while. People that have been here a long while. Whatever. It's all mixed in. People that have done well. People that are not doing well, right? Don't be afraid when you could feel completely unworthy to approach God. Luke 8, 40 to 48. And when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a daughter about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately... Her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out for me. What a word. Wow. When you touch Jesus in faith, he knows it. Something supernatural has happened. When you just touch him, just touch him in faith. It's such a lesson. And the woman, seeing that she could not... Go and notice, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Don't be afraid. Just believe when you feel completely unworthy to approach God. By touching Jesus, the woman made Jesus unclean, literally unclean. 
she was bleeding. She wasn't, I mean, and ceremonially, and they took that pretty serious that, that time. Touch him, make him unclean, right? So he's supposed to do all kinds of things prescribed for if you became unclean. But this story is a beautiful picture of how faith in Jesus fulfills the law and causes power to flow from God. It's not so important to get just everything lined up. It's, it, it's the heart of the matter. It's the faith of the matter. It's the love of the matter. It's the compassion of God on the one side that gives flexibility in such matters. It's the, it's the faith of us that presumes that we would push till God does something incredible, even when it makes us uneasy, even when it's really scary. Roman number four. Don't be afraid to disbelieve when it seems that the past cannot be fixed. So if we look at, again, right after Luke chapter, that story, another one begins. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she'll be healed. And he's thinking to himself, wait a minute, she's dead. Now, we look at it from this distance, looking back, and we're thinking, you know, wow, he should have known maybe, or gosh, didn't people know? No, nobody gets raised from the dead anywhere, Right? Very rarely around anything that we ever know, or we hear about in different places and stuff. Maybe some of you have been closer to one, or some kind of resurrection that's happened. But for the most part, through many, many centuries of time, right, no one ever heard of a person being resurrected from the dead. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with, except, with him except Peter, Jane, and John, and James, and the, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned. At once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. What an amazing thing. What was going on in the mind of Jairus? Wow, he took a chance. He took a chance anyway. I mean, think of where he was at. How did he take a chance? He had never seen anybody raised from the dead. I'm not sure who even amongst the disciples has seen someone raised from the dead. She's already dead. Don't bother. But somehow, he found it in him just to let that little thing in. Um, let me just say this. About our lives in the supernatural, this is the way. We think that it takes a great deal of mind washing, jumping over tall buildings, a single mind, a brown, buffed up, total positive thinking thing. Often it's just a place of weakness and we just give God just a little try out of our fear, our desperation, right? And just give it a shot. Right? And that's where the miracle happens. And we're so shocked. We're as surprised as anybody. All we did was it took a little tiny step. These things are so instructive. Don't be afraid, just believe. It doesn't mean don't be afraid. It's like don't be afraid, 99%, just believe, 1%. Even if you only got 1%, sometimes it's enough to push it over the top. Because God's like a good father. You know how the little toddlers, you know? Teaching them how to walk, you know, good job. You know, they take one step. Oh, that was so good, you know. Three steps, they look like a gorilla, you know, or a a robot, you know. Oh, that is so amazing. That's the way God is with us. You did a good job. Keep going. That's how they get their confidence. Poor kid takes his first step and says, that's the stupidest step I've ever seen. That's the dumbest first step I've ever seen a kid do in my life. Get better, kid. Come on, man. I'm coming back to you walking at least five steps. We think that's the way God is. (laughs) Don't be afraid when it seems that the past cannot be fixed. Ooh. That's amazing. 
Don't be afraid, just believe. It seems that the past can't be fixed. I love this Christmas story that's coming up because we see some people who make the right response to the barrenness of the past. Some of you have barrenness in your past. I think probably all of us do to some extent, but some of you maybe are newer to the Lord and you've just got a lot of barrenness. You're here just by the skin of your teeth. You're just here and there's barrenness, right? So this situation with the Christmas story, which we'll probably be expounding on more and more as we go through, but it's such an amazing story because it's a story of barrenness. It's a story of desperation. We read these stories and we, they become our favorite stories and we immortalize them in, you know, in, in our you know, Christian rituals and things. But boy, the person that was in that place, let's just say this, this guy named Zachariah, who's a priest, was in pain. Because to not have a child to be barren was akin to being cursed. You're this priest, supposed to be a godly guy, and you can't have a child. And people are looking at you and they're thinking you're cursed, that you're really not a very good religious guy. You probably did something in your ancestry, probably something in your life was wrong and messed up, and you blew it. That's what he's carrying. So one day, he gets this incredible opportunity. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. He's going to go in there to this inner area, and he's going to do that, that service that he did in that inner area. And you only, some priests didn't get to do it in a lifetime. And then the, the, what they would do is after they did that, they would come out and then they would bless the people. And that was a once in a lifetime. Maybe many priests never got to do it their whole life. But he got chosen by lot on that day to do it. And one of the greatest parts of the whole thing was that actually he got to uh, go out and he got to actually speak it and say the blessing. That was the big part. Say the blessing. Well, he gets, he goes in, and uh, the angel tells him he's going to have a child. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Okay. So heaven gets a little bit off, off balance when we don't have faith. It's like they're speaking in English, and we answer them in, in another language they don't understand. Heaven's language is faith. It says, And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So it seemed to Zechariah that the past could not be fixed. This is impossible. Our old now, how are we going to have a child? Oh, but in this hour especially, but I just say all the time, these examples tell us that the past can be fixed. God's supernatural. Things that we thought were dead can be breathing in life again. That's one of my favorite songs. I love to sing that song. Things that we thought were dead can be breathing in life again. Now, he was supposed to get a blessing, but because he didn't believe, he missed the blessing that was also a lifetime achievement. He didn't get to do it because he couldn't talk, because he didn't believe about the miracle. Now, this is terrible. He had two miracles he should have had, but he lost one of them, but he caught on because when the right time came, he wrote down the name John, which was highly significant. Nobody in his family was the name that that was radical. And when he did that, his tongue loosed, right? His tongue loosed. What a story. I love that story. It's a Christmas story. And it's traditional and it's wonderful, you know, but it has so much meaning for us. Don't be afraid. Just believe when it seems that the past cannot be fixed. I just want to say this again. 
Many of us are carrying heavy loads because of our past, because of a divorce, because of this or that, or a loss of someone. But I don't know. How, I mean, think about this. He had no idea at the time how it would be fixed, but somehow it got fixed. He didn't even know the full end part of it till probably later in the John the Baptist's life, this kid. He didn't get it. But let me just say, God makes all things through. It's possible to fix your past. It's fo- possible. God redeems the past. It may not exactly look like you would like it to be, but it actually turns out better. He could actually make some something that was so horrible, better, and put a better face on it, and a better thing. I tell you, I, I feel a lot of faith with regard to that. Some of you felt like you've lost things, maybe during this pandemic, you've lost things during your life, and it's not irretrie- it's irretrievable. Let me just say, somehow, even if we lost loved ones that died, I don't know, you never know. Some of us are going to be so shocked to see what happened on the other side. All we got to do is not give up, keep on praying, keep pursuing. I tell you, I've lived this one out in so many simple ways and some more complex ways, but even I've told you before, even when I was a teenager, walking with certain things that I wanted to see in my life and happen and seeing them resurrect, it was just such a good lesson. When it seems the past cannot be fixed, oh really, the Lord has a way of fixing the past in a way that we understand it's God, in a way that makes sense. I feel I'm speaking this way and... um, um, I just feel in my spirit uh, this thing that I'm talking about is um, a real PowerPoint in the room uh, today. And uh, so we have this other story Jesus tells of this uh, person who's possessed by a spirit. Jesus asked him how long he's been like this. He answered, it's been often throwing him in the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, please take pity on us. And he says, Jesus says, if you can... Everything is possible for the one who believes. So he's looking at a lifetime of failure of this kid being demonized. And I, I, got, I, I can feel the anointing on this. I'm speaking to some people who have been going through a really hard past. And it's been so long and hard, you can't imagine how God could invade, how God could fix it. And even things that have happened, you can't imagine how God could actually turn that and make that thing good. And I, I just got this feeling right now if we'll pray, even right now, you'll turn your heart to God about the past. That God, in this Christmas season, and maybe in the next few months, might leave behind, maybe the next few days, might leave behind a wonderful miracle. Could we just pause in the service? If you could just raise your hand about this one, if this is you. You would like the past somehow to be redeemed in a way that you can see God's in it, okay? All right. I like that brother right there. He's got both his hands up. You, sir, are a candidate. All right? So now everybody else putting both their hands up. All right. Okay, I have no idea what it is, but obviously it's meaningful to a number of you here. So, Lord, I'm asking you, just like we have these stories, it's like the story of Zacharias where it just looks like it's impossible. There's barrenness. Nothing good could come out of this. I pray, God, something good would come this Christmas season, out of the barrenness of the past, out of the difficulty of the past. And what the enemy meant for evil, I pray you would turn to good. And I pray opportunity would begin to spring up all over the place. Just because this little exercise we're doing with our hands up before the Lord, in faith, in vulnerability, it just looks impossible. How could it be? How could it be? That thing's dead. That opportunity's dead. That person's dead. That situation, oh... 
God's creative. He gets more creative. You can imagine how he can take a horrible situational loss and turn it around. So Lord, I just declare that today. Lord, don't be afraid. Just believe. And last on your outline, don't be afraid. Just believe. When there doesn't appear to be enough. And uh, all of us have had that experience. And uh, of course, in this day and time, we got whole names for stuff like that called supply chain. <laughs> Could I say something about that? Nobody's saying no, so I'm going to go ahead. Okay. So it's, I've noticed that you know the world has this lingo. And of course, it mostly comes through the news. And it's coming through, and there's these terms. And we all start, we don't even know what supply chain was 10 minutes ago. Now we're like experts on the supply chain. And the reason why we can't be blessed, because there's a supply chain, of course you know. You, we couldn't tell you what that means exactly, but of course, it's a supply chain issue. Yeah. Everybody goes, yeah, yeah, that's, what, yeah, that's a problem right now. Okay. Look, these little buzzwords, these things, do not let them get in the way. God isn't shocked. God isn't intimidated by a supply chain thing. You know, we just got to move forward. And whatever else buzzwords there are, there are all kinds of buzzwords out there. We got them all. They're just going. And the news uses this to hook you, to get you to watch some more of the same, you know, more negativity, more of it, more, more. Let's deify that thing. Let's put it up on this pestle so high that all bow down about 5 o'clock in the afternoon to this thing, whatever it is, right? January 6th, all these things. Oh, my God, let's all bow down. We don't have to bow down to nothing, right? When there doesn't appear to be enough, and I'm telling you, this is going to be, we're going through another round of this, and there's all these talk and everything. But listen, okay, there might be a recession, there might be this, I do know. But for us, it's different. We're in a different economy. We're in a different reality we, that actually comes into the material world and actually changes things. That's what these stories are all about, isn't it? When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. <laughs> what an amazing thing. Now off they go, right? So late in the afternoon, verse 12, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. <laughs> wow. They answered, Well, we only got five loaves and two fish. Unless we go and buy for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. Now, here's the thing. This is the way Jesus is. And I'm learning. I'm getting better at this. I, I, I'm learning not even to confess certain realities that I know are true. Because I actually don't know that they're true. They look true in the natural, but they could be changed and adjusted. And this build-out of our church and the things we've been doing, that's some of that. Things that we thought you know, we couldn't do, suddenly we could do. Things that we thought... And, and, and if we didn't get that, uh, it answered that way. God answered in a better way. He had actually something better for us. So I always have this saying with regard to all of this time that we're in, more, not less. And if He didn't answer it one way, when there doesn't appear enough, He does it another way. He's very creative. Actually, He's like the creator of the universe, so I suppose <laughs> you know, that means something, right? But not creator of new realities and my problems. No way He could do that. That's too big for Him. <laughs> 
So late in the afternoon, the 12 came to send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding village and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in this remote place. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. Right? But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave things and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Your Father in heaven is enough. And then, many of you know this story. It's so hilarious. So then they get in the boat a couple of days later, and they've had two of these now. They get in the boat, you know, and and uh, Jesus makes an allusion to bread, and they go, oh no, we forgot to bring the bread. <laughs> we have a little bit here, but it's not enough for all of us in the boat here, and he's hungry, you know. He's going to be mad at us. And Jesus looks out, okay. So what did I do with the 5,000? What did I do for the 4,000? See, your past is supposed to teach you. But I'll tell you, man, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get better and better at this. When I get a miracle, I'm trying to hang on to it, write it down, think about it, think about it, think about it, because it'll help me for the next one. It's just we get an amnesia so fast. He's enough, right? He's enough. Even exceedingly beyond what, beyond what we could think, right? Releasing the kingdom will always require overcoming inadequacy. So might as well just get used to it. Take nothing for the journey, he said. He's accentuating it. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Oh, that was just for them because they were learning how to be apostles. That's for you. Purposely, I think he strips us down. Purposely. He leaves us in a situation where we're vulnerable. And we think, oh God, you left us. No, I didn't leave you. The only thing I left behind is your ability to access a miracle. That's what I left behind. The sooner we learn that lesson, the better we're all going to be. Because we have to settle one thing. God is a good God. Good God. Your Father in heaven is always enough. And sometimes inadequacy is left on there on purpose. We see it in the story of Jesus and we'll see it in our life. He actually leaves it there on purpose so that you'll learn this incredible important thing about how powerful you can be. He's proud of you when you exercise this amazing faith, right? Paul had this problem, even a messenger of Satan, but to accentuate the whole thing, he said, you know, I've taken care of a lot for you, Paul, but this one here, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul got the hang of it. He said, oh, yeah, this is bad, but I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. He said, you know what? He saw, oh, I'm weak, but I can, I can delight in weaknesses, insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. What do you mean by that? He didn't just put a nice happy face on the difficulty. No, he saw, wow, in his weakness, he could actually release, release supernatural power to other people. He could actually be more fruitful in his ministry because his ministry was everything. And this weakness was actually helping him depend on the Lord stronger, not weaker. He was actually getting more accomplished in a weak space. And that's the news that nobody wants to hear, but it's part of the kingdom. And we're going to face it no matter what. We're always going to have weakness. So if we just learn to use it to our advantage and not let us get tailspinned or discouraged or go the opposite direction or start, you know, getting in league with the other guy. Oh, 
This is a part of our normal walk with God. And the last thing I just want to say with regard to this, it's found in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verses 14 to 21. I just want to read this little story. All right. I'm going to revisit this little thing. Miracles can take us toward or away from the Lord. Disciples have forgotten to bring bread. That story I mentioned, right? Except for one loaf they had with them. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. He was trying to tell them something really important. Be careful of this teaching. It looks religious, but it's false. Don't stumble over it, especially when I'm gone. They discussed with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. Where the discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Oh, that's the issue. Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? That's a great question because I hear God telling me all the time. Don't you get it? Don't you remember? Can't you remember just a little bit from day to day? Don't you know? Sometimes he just leads a little bit to test us. I want faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But once you get the hang of it, it's the most beautiful thing because nothing can defeat you. Even though there might be a delay in timing or whatever, you glorify God by having this attitude, by being this way. Right? And I'll tell you what. And one of the biggest revelations to me in my entire life in these last uh, several years, I'd say the last six or seven years, is to pull my miracles from over here into my barrenness on this side. Oh, it's so powerful to have a great memory. You did it, now do it again, Lord. You did it, now do it again. And it could be in completely unrelated areas. But if it's meaningful to me, it's got weight in the spirit. Now, wait a minute. I remember God did this and this, but, but, but he didn't do that. That's okay. That's going to get taken care of too. I trust you, God. You're trustworthy. Now, Lord, I'm looking at this. And so I just do this all the time. I'm always paying it forward. Whatever happened to me, I keep track of my miracles. I keep track of my testimonies. I keep track of your testimonies. Because when I live in that constant place, my faith goes this high. That's why some of our prayer meetings that we do around here, I like to pray because I like results. I don't like to pray because I'm a monk. I don't like to pray because I'm especially introverted and and love to meditate. I don't like any of that, but I do love answers to prayer. And I'm like a like a like one of those that what are those gobble things, you know, like Pac-Man. I'm like Pac-Man. That's an old example, but anyway. You know, for miracles. Ah, yeah. Oh, another one. Oh, because it opens up possibilities for me or somebody else that I know, right? Oh, that is so powerful. That's why your prayer meetings, we approach some of them like we're going to the morgue, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, here's mine, you know, i got to pray. Oh, my gosh, but if you put testimony in the meetings all the time, hey, what's God doing? Anything good? Then I take that thing and I apply it to my life or somebody else's life. Pretty soon the whole thing's humming. Then we begin to go to that meeting expectantly. Hey, you remember? I remember when such and such got that. I remember this. I remember that. And when the meeting begins to have a memory, the meeting comes alive. It's just we don't have a memory. You can do this with your family. You can do it with your employees. You can do it wherever. Let your prayer meetings have a memory. Fill them full of memories. Let part of your prayer meeting be what God has already done and remembering it full throttle all the time, expecting and making space for it and then declaring it over somebody else who needs the same thing. And God loves to repeat miracles, by the way. Not a one-time shop. We think that. Oh, they're so miracle. One miracle. Oh, that's all he's got in his bag, you know. 
He's like Santa Claus, but he doesn't carry very much weight at all. Just a little miracle every once in a while for George over there, but not for all of us. What Santa would ever look like that? People think you're crazy. The bag's empty? That's what we think about God. The bag's empty. He's only got one or two of those things, so forget it. When he comes to your neighbor, there's not going to be any left. That's what we are in the spirit. This says, stupid. Stupid. <laughs> no faith gets engendered in a prayer meeting. Like, no wonder our prayer meetings die. They die because nobody ever hears of an answer to prayer. We pray and pray and pray, and pretty soon it becomes a religious exercise. We build an icon to it, you know, and it's not a spiritual place, it's just a religious place. Oh, answer prayer. We just thank you for that. They couldn't remember. <laughs> Thousands of people. But for them, no, little old me, no way, you know. He's mad at me. The Son of God sitting in my boat, I'm just still not getting it, right? Praise God. Let's all stand. All right. So I hope there's some music in the house. Because I'm hoping uh, that uh, you all have things to do. I know. But it, to ask doesn't take a lot of time. But I'm just wondering if you might just take a moment as we worship. Maybe we'll be here five more minutes if you want to, or two more minutes if you need to, or if you need to go now, feel free. Like I said, but I, I just think we should respond to this, and hopefully I stirred some things up in you uh, that you would like to see answered uh, for your life in this season. All right? And when we preach about something, you know, when the faith level rises in people, it's amazing uh, how God responds to faith. And I could feel the faith just rising in the rooms. And I know so many of you, and I know your situations because I pray with so many of you all the time in one meeting or another. You know, I know who you are. You know, I know kind of your situation. A lot of you, I know business things about you. I know personal things about you, you know. So it's sort of exciting to me to know that maybe there, I, I was able to release some faith and maybe in this room we could do some serious business with God just in the next five minutes. I'm not talking about spending the next hour, but there are things that inside that maybe you forgot, maybe you got hardened to, maybe, maybe you just left and just stopped praying about. Could you just dial them up? Just dial them up. Things that you thought were dead. They could actually be breathing again because Jesus is in this meeting. And we're two or three gathered together in his name. There he is in our midst. By the way, that's a pretty cool thing, right? That'll help your prayer meeting. He actually is there in the midst. He's actually sitting there right in the seat. You might as well put a seat out for him. He's there, right? Maybe that'd help. It's the reality. And he's here. He's absolutely here. And he's watching. And he's listening to everything you have to say. He's big enough to hear everything. And so we're going to do this song, maybe one song, or if you want to do two or whatever you guys want to do. But what I'd like to do is just for you to take that one thing, maybe the two things, something that ministered to you in this sermon that you want to ask God about. And just ask him with all your heart, right? Ask him with the faith that maybe came out of the preaching from the word and the things that you saw in the scriptures, right? It could be for you or for somebody else. So if you like, uh, if it helps you, uh, you could just come to the front if you like right now to ask for things. So just come right now. If you want to stay in your seat and do it, fine. If you need to go, feel free. But don't forget to ask, all right? Don't forget. Don't forget. Whatever you do, don't be afraid. Just believe. So we're just going to worship and we're going to pray. And uh, leave them even open-ended. We're not going to do anything after this. And so when he stops worshiping, stay here as long as you want. I don't care. But uh, sometimes I've found that worship helps me to access God. I hear a song, a lyric, something in it. 
And so you could do that from your seat or up here if it helps you come to the front. If you have a friend up here and you see them, you might want to just, uh, if you feel the Lord leads you, you might want to come up and uh, pray for them in Jesus' name. If you guys could make room if you're by the aisle, you just kind of spread out so people that are in the aisle could come up here. And uh, these speakers don't blow everybody out anymore, so you could stand right in front of these speakers. It'll be okay. I used to have, about have a heart attack when I stood in front of these speakers, but we figured it out, so... Boom, boom. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, uh, quiet intercession, forceful intercession, we come to the table, Lord, and ask for things. Things we've been asking for a long time for and things that we're just maybe introducing today and finally have the courage to pray about it. I declare today things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. I declare today that we're not going to be afraid and intimidated anymore, but we're going to believe. Lord, we just ask you that you would just bring miracles. Miracles. Help us not to lose heart. Help us not get tired. Help us not get tired. Keep pursuing you radically. And all because we know this one thing. You are good. You are absolutely good. Not just yesterday, but all the time. You are our Father in heaven. You are the one who died and told us these things. You're the one that taught all this that I've been teaching. I pray on this congregation as we ask you today, good measure be on you. Press down be on you. Shaken together. May you remember all the miracles God's done already and apply it to your life here in the next few minutes. Stay as long as you want, but just do some business with God before we go. Amen.